comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. DCTV podcast episode 31. So that means we have one episode for each flavor of Baskin Robbins, or you could listen to one episode each day for a whole month. So that's pretty cool, I guess. Unless it's February. Right. Well, I mean, you could double up on a couple days or whatever. But sure. joining me as always on the DCTV podcast this week, uh, we have the imaginary weatherman, Mr. Chubtoe Sheldon. It's 63. That's 17 Celsius. And the lumberjack from Krypton, Mr. Daryl Taylor. Always bet on chocolate ice cream. Uh, this week, uh, we had the Supergirl pilot leak out uh, all over the interwebs. and uh, Sure we, it did. We were, uh, we were all lucky enough to have friends that had friends that were able to pass it on to us. So uh, we're going to talk about that and uh, do an in-depth uh, review on that pilot and what we thought of it. We're also going to cover iZombie, episode 11, Astro Burger which is a great place for a burger joint, mm-hmm. you ask me. But first, before we get to that, Daryl has some really great news about DCTV Podcast, the website. News, news, news. News, news. Well, uh, for the for the podcast, we now have a section, kind of, so we can put the, the news on of the podcast news and just the news of DCTV and movies in general. So when you go to tailorednetworkofpodcast.com, there's a section called the TV and movie news. Just put your mouse on that or click that and you'll see DC TV and movie news. And you click on that and you'll you'll see all the stuff that we're uh, we talk about every week on the show. And any kind of like if we have contests or, or weird schedule changes or whatever we're going to do, we can we post that right there and we have a nice little little home for it. Right. I kinda I kinda look at the Facebook group as kinda like the community center and then this is kinda like the clubhouse. Right. You know, where we're gonna put all nice. the news in and uh and stuff like that. So thanks a lot for sending it up, Daryl. It's awesome. As I said, probably the biggest news in the past week since the flash finale, and we're all still of course recovering from that in very in various ways and degrees. Uh, we uh, we were uh, we got a leak this week of the Supergirl pilot. Now this is the same pilot that the CBS executives saw and decided to you know, order an entire thirteen uh, episode run from. And uh, it's it's amazing that they leaked it this early. I mean, it wasn't supposed to come out till the fall, right? It's like six months from now. And it's also very amazing how this leak is in nice definition. There's no watermarks on it or anything. Mm-hmm. It makes me a little suspicious of if it was truly, quote, leaked. Well, if you remember correctly, the Flash pilot uh, was leaked a little ahead of its premiere as well. Not this far ahead, but I think it was, what, two or three weeks or something? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, a month or that. so. 
and, six months. <laughs> right. And I think it's uh, not a coincidence that it didn't leak until after the Flash season finale, if you noticed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because they're both produced by, uh, you know, um, Berlanti and Kreisberg. Um, so I think that has a little, little you know, less coincidental quality to it. I think, I think it was, I, if you ask me, I think it was probably leaked on purpose. I think I a too. lot of it was, was kind of that we got that. We got all the, uh, for sets that usually have a lot of security, we have all these these uh, pictures and videos that fans get to take and post. And- oh, yeah. Look at the Suicide Squad footage we got this week of the Batmobile and the Jerkermobile. I mean, there's no way, you know, the way that they locked down the Marvel sets or whatever, there's no way that that, was, that kind of you know, video could have been taken and, and leaked out unless somebody wanted it to be. And, you yeah. know, and it's fine because more than likely those little sequences, there's probably only going to be a few seconds that are actually cut into the film. And it's nothing that's really spoilerish other than, oh, no, the Batmobile and Batman's on the set. Like, we didn't already figure that out, you know, that Batman was going to be a part of this. So I, I think it's cool because it gives the fans a little bit of that, you know, morsel of tease of, you know, the things to come. But it doesn't really give away the farm. And and it's more of an open creative process and gets the fans involved in the excitement and the buzz on the Internet rather than the closed set and the, you know, we're not going to give give away anything we're not going to show our hand on anything and you know we don't get anything for months while we're waiting for a film to come out so i think it's cool i think a good point that daryl made on an earlier show you know batman v superman has been very closed we've seen almost nothing you know we've seen Mm -hmm. like dribs and drives we see a costume here and there or a shot of the batmobile or i mean we didn't we didn't see that you know they showed that one like teaser trailer at san diego and then we didn't get an actual teaser trailer for another year after that you know i think this is uh, and i think like i said i think daryl made this point before ayer is going for the exact opposite he knows mm-hmm. that Suicide Squad isn't a known quantity like Batman and Superman are. You know, not a lot of people are versed on Suicide Squad. They don't know what it is. They don't know what the concept is or whatever. But if ahead of time they see Will Smith all decked out as Deadshot or, you know, Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn from your pictures from the set and all the buzz, the you know, pictures of Jared Leto and then this video footage that we just got this week is created. I mean, that's really going to help him a lot it's kind of the same road that guardians of the galaxy had to hoe but with a lot less lead time and a lot less mm-hmm. momentum because you know guardians of the galaxy came with like what seven eight movies in the marvel canon before it you know and it had a lot of momentum behind it this is only going to have the one it's only going to have batman v superman and then it's out so i think it, you know air is really trying to benefit from social media and trying to you know leak that stuff out you know bit by bit yeah, well, it, it makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense to do something like that. I mean, they're running behind, like, every with the way Marvel have been to, has gotten their franchises together, even Fox's uh, X-Men properties gotten, you know, they've they kind of gotten back on track with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of been playing catch up. And, and there's been a lot of negative press with, with the DC stuff. Some of it well-deserved, the way they've handled uh, fans, I think, and being so closed off to to fans, I, I, where I think with Air coming in, he kind of came into it excited, like I'm gonna embrace it. I'm gonna, um, you know, let's take all that negative press that we're gonna get regardless, because you know it's just it's just the way it's been lately, and let's kind of we're gonna get it regardless. So just let some stuff leak. Let let some stuff come out actually becoming more excited about uh suicide squad than i've than i'm 
was very surprised. I mean, some critics and some people are more excited for this than they are for an actual Superman Batman movie. So, I know I am. So I'm more excited for this than I am for, for Batman v Superman. Not that I won't go see Batman v Superman, but I, I'd, I, if I could switch the release dates, I would. I'd rather see this. Oh, yeah. yeah. To get people and talking I mean, like this, it's important. Right. You mentioned social media and Air's mm-hmm. use of that. I mean, it's not just him. I mean, him allowing his talent, his cast, you know, to utilize their own Instagrams and Twitters and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, I'm sure that there is some degree of control of what they're allowed to send out but i mean we've seen pictures of of will smith with actual injuries from getting so involved in his stunts and we've seen you know so many of uh uh, what's her head and names escaping me that plays harley of just tweeting out pictures of herself Mm -hmm. and right and then look at that movie superman in contrast to that you know Zack snyder tweeted one picture of affleck in his costume and that was all we had for a month Mm -hmm. you know and even I didn't, even people that were uh, a little um, worried that uh, Will Smith was going to be on the project, thinking that his ego was going to take over the project. If people really think about it, this is a second chance for Will Smith too. I mean, he's he's not had a hit in in his big budget movies in a little while, so this is just as important, I think, to to Will Smith as it is to everybody else involved in the project. Like they want this to be a franchise. Oh, of course. So everybody wants to contribute to it. Like everybody's excited about this. I mean, it's this is something that they're really putting their all into to make it work. And you can kind of you kind of get that from the way that they the cast they take pictures. They you know the way that they you see them react with each other. It, it kind of I don't know. It just it just kind of gives this a different vibe than than usual for for DC for Warner Brothers I would say. I mean the chances of these villains showing up later on in like subsequent DC you know DC movies I would think would be pretty high since they already established the characters, you know what I mean? I mean I could I could see Deadshot yep. showing up in in um you know later on in, in another movie or I could see him. You know, a lot you know most of these uh, villains, you know, they're kind of you know seeding the villains for you know their upcoming slate of like two movies a year for the next 5 years or whatever the heck their schedule mm-hmm. is. So it's interesting. We'll see how it plays out for him. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah but speaking yeah. of leaked uh, leaked things, we got the Supergirl pilot leaked to us, <laughs> and it, it was in a very finished state. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I would think it'd be broadcast ready the way it is. Uh, um, commercials and all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Commercial breaks are built in and everything. That's true. Uh, um, we get the uh, the short version on Supergirl's origin at the beginning. Uh, very much the same way it opens, uh, very much the same way as The Flash or Arrow. You know, I, my name is Kara Zorel. You know, and then she goes into the uh, narration of how she came to Earth and how she ended up getting here after um, her famous cousin Kal-El, but being younger because of uh, being trapped in the Phantom Zone for a long period of time while she was in deep sleep. Mm-hmm. Which I, I like that take on it, too, being trapped in the Phantom Zone rather than being hibernating in the ocean or whatever in some of the past iterations of her origin. And it's actually pretty streamlined compared to the, like Silver Age versions of her origin and stuff with Argon right. City and, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's yeah, very personal. It's a very personal uh, pilot. It, it's, it does remind me of the flash how they want to kind of get it's kind of like a first person narrative in a way the way that they um the way that you get her perspective 
of, right. of things, you know. Well, like I said, it's just the same way they start Arrow or The Flash. You know, I'm wondering what, how they're going to start Legends of Tomorrow because they can't do that with the, all the characters talking at once. It's be chatter. One each week, you know. Yeah. I have a feeling with uh, the Le- the Legends of Tomorrow, it'll start off with um, Oliver talking over at the beginning because it seems like from what we saw on that uh, trailer, he's pulling them together initially. So that's what I was expecting. Or it could be Rip Hunter, like, laying out where they are in time and space and what they have to do. Yeah, that would be cool, too, yeah. Yeah, Rip Hunter time log, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, she uh, she's 13 when she lands on Earth, and she gets saved by Superman. She gets left with adoptive parents, who are played by uh, Helen Slater and Dean Cain, who plays Supergirl and Superman, uh, respectively, in the movie and in uh, Lois and Clark. Raised her with this uh, foster sister named Alex. And uh, we fast forward to the future, and she's on her way to work. And she works at a place called Catco, run by Cat Grant. Very different version of Cat Grant than we've seen in the comic. Uh, Very much. The Cat Grant in the comic was like kind of a sex pot foil to, uh, to Lois Lane. And this Cat Grant is... Yeah, more of like very much like the Meryl Streep character in uh, Devil Wears Prada, like a very yeah. demanding, high level type A boss. We see uh, Kara going to work. You know, just basically, you know, through we see her through a day. We meet her, her uh, a guy named Wynn who kind of asks her out, but she you know tells him that she already has a date that night, and she meets uh, James Olsen. Don't call him Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> and they do mm-hmm. men- they mention uh, Metropolis and the Daily Planet in this part. But I didn't see any references to the Flare uh, universe at all. You know, because no, you know, there were a lot of TVs on in that scene in the background. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I thought they might have something, but but no. Um, you go back to uh, Kara's apartment, and Alex comes over to help her get dressed for a blind date. Um, Kara feels like she's not you know doing all she can do. She's not living up to her potential because... You know, she didn't, you know, she, you know, she has these powers, but she really hasn't done anything with them. So it's kind of just kind of spelling out for the audience what's going on there. Kara goes out on her date, but the guy's kind of a douche and ditches her. And as that's happening, she realizes that the plane that Alex is on, it's about to crash. Kara, not really even thinking at all, just jumps uh, a few times and then goes and saves the airplane. Uh, kind of reminiscent of the, the scene in Superman Returns, where they saved the, the, save yeah. the airplane. Uh, as well, the you know, I thought the special effects were okay, like probably regular CW level. You know what I mean? Not, not I saw it. Yeah, and, like they were serviceable. They, they didn't distract from the story. They weren't bad enough. And, they distracted. I didn't think. Right, and they could have been better, but on a pilot budget, I think they did a pretty good job. Right. They, uh, she, you know, she saves the day. She's standing on the side of a plane just long enough for everyone to take pictures and video of her, <laughs> and then flies off. Right. She's all over the news. She really feels like she's doing something. And Alex comes back uh, and brings out you know, this argument about her being out there being a bad thing. But Kara's like, no, this is my calling. I, I should be a hero. You know. Um, the next day at work, we find out the city is called National City that she's living in. It's not. Right. It's not uh, Metropolis or, or any of the city. You know, the regular weird name again. Yeah, like Star well, City. I'm I'm guessing it's a a hint or a homage to DC's original name. Oh, I'm sure, but it's just odd that they wouldn't pick like you know Coast City or you know one of the many DC cities there are already. Right. Right. You know, we tell uh, James Olsen tells the story of being saved by Superman. You know, Superman mm-hmm. saved from a plane, just like you know Kara saved the plane last night. In Cat Grant, I think I think it was Daryl that made this point. Very much like J. Jonah Jameson, she's going to use Supergirl to sell 
saw her in newspapers and magazines. So yeah, uh, she coined yep. the name Supergirl, and there's kind of a media backlash already. You know, who is this girl? Why is she? You know, is she a threat? You know, kind of the Spider-Man backlash already. Kara decides to tell Wynn her secret, and she jumps off a building to show him, which is kind of weird because they don't seem to know each other that well or whatever. And right after she does that, we see we cut to a guy who's digging his uh, fingers into a diner counter so hard that he's ripping into it. Um, he sees, you know, Supergirl on on the news, and he seems to have some knowledge of Krypton. Um, we get this, we get a, a, like a cool montage scene with Wynn here, like helping her uh, create her costume. Like some are kind of mm-hmm. skimpy, <laughs> kind of making fun of some of the ways that I, you know that Supergirl's costume has evolved over the years. But she ends up with a fairly serviceable one that we've seen in the picture with the cape to help her dynamically with the leggings, boots, you know, very... Right. Low, I was, if I remember right, Lois and Clark did a very similar... Their pilot, the pilot for that show was very similar to that, but it was with his mom sewing the uh, costume. Mm. They did a lot of, like, she, he kept coming out and looking... He, he, she did different variations of the costume, and then, and then finally they picked that one. Right. So she was wearing a skirt, but with leggings and boots. Um, and while she's out flying, she gets uh, hit with a dart full of kryptonite. It falls like yeah. a brick. Pretty harsh. Yeah, she wakes up handcuffed to a stretcher at the DEO, Department of Extraterrestrial Operations. And uh, they have the capsule that she came to Earth in there. And that uh, they find that a prison in the Phantom Zone uh, came to Earth with Kara when she crashed. Uh, the villain from ever, from earlier, I think one of them refers to him as a lumberjack in this scene. They have a quick s- screenshot of some of the Superman villains, like Parasite, I noticed, and uh, mm-hmm. um, we we get we meet Hank Henshaw, who's kind of like the Diggle of the, this show. He's like you know, he's right. the guy who takes no shit whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of like the guy in light or whatever. And we find out that Kara's sister Alex. Kara goes back to work. Now they, she officially gets the name Supergirl. There's even a Supergirl hashtag. They have an argument well, they, about whether they're calling her girl or woman at this point. Well, go back to a little bit with uh, when she finds out about Alex, you find out why her sister was so harsh with her in, in being Supergirl a little bit. Right, because I was confused as to why she was being so harsh in that scene after she oh, saved her. Right. I'm like, I was like, man, she's kind of going over the top. But then A little bit too much, off. like... Like, yeah. she's scared, and she knows something she's not telling her, and she kind of gives out that in her yeah. eyes. But we get the reason, you know, why. It's kind of a and it, it, I, you feel for Supergirl because she didn't know about this, and kind she kind of felt like her sister joined them because of her. Right. Right. And it, my one, one little thing here, and, and it's really dismissive when I think about it, but if when she was 13 or 13 years ago, or how many ever years ago it was that she finally came to Earth, if she dragged this prison with her, why hasn't there already been a lot of issues with these people from this prison? Why are they just now showing up when she becomes Supergirl? Or maybe that's something they're going to explore. I don't know. I just thought that was a little bit of a plot hole. Well, the the, the 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 TV watcher in me makes me think that something happened in between the her stop, you know, going into the Phantom Zone and all of a sudden coming out, the ship right. coming out. I have a feeling 
either she has like I wouldn't even be surprised if there's a time travel story where she has to make the ship come out like you know like something her, she gets to meet her mother and you know like something happens where she has to come to earth because she has to prevent something from happening or somebody uses her you know like there's another alien in play that comes in and captures her ship and uses it to uh whatever send a message or whatever it is but something tells me something's hokey about there's there's something that happened in between that time when she was stuck in a phantom zone to the time that she automatically all of a sudden comes out and the ship comes out too well maybe maybe you know she was in the phantom they say she's in the phantom zone for like 24 years or whatever and then popped out mm-hmm. and the time didn't pass for her if time right. didn't pass for these villains either i mean that rift could have been there but they didn't you know they didn't necessarily have to pop out the same time she did you know what I mean? If yes, that sir. rift was yeah. there, like maybe she left the hole in space when she came through, and then that they came sense. upon it. They came upon it later, you know. But I thought when we saw her coming out of the Phantom Zone, it showed her dragging that prison out with her. That's what it looked like. I mean, so, so I don't know, but because they even implied that her ship, her ship let it out. Like they kind of implied that the ship kind of right. dragged it out, whether gravitational yeah. pull or whatever, something. But, but I think it's something deeper than what they know. Right, yeah. well, or even, but, or uh, even uh, say, you know, she has propulsion on her ship. Maybe the prison you know, ship or whatever wasn't meant to really go anywhere once it got to the Phantom mm-hmm. Zone. It just kind of drifted in space until, you know. Right, here. I mean, that or to argue my own point against my own point is they could have been some kind of stasis longer than she was. You know, her ship's small. It could have got to Earth quicker. Right. There's a lot of explanations yeah. that could go with yeah. that. It gets, it's comic booky. I keep thinking yes. looking for more because of comic books. You right. keep looking for something else. And to it's, it's, Which it's, is fine. It's way less grounded than the Flash or the Arrow, too. Yeah. Like it's very much, yeah. like you say, comic booky. A lot of sci-fi elements here. It's a, And I want to throw in, this is a lot like the early versions of, of superhero comics because there's no tragedy for her. Right. There's like, no Uncle Ben. There's no Bruce Wayne's no. parents. I, I get what mm-hmm. you're saying. There's no She lost her parents. I mean that's the thing. And she did lose her, her, her real birth parents, yeah. but still there's no Right. Like like the, Barry Allen's out there because he's trying to, you know, ostensibly, you know, you know, find his father's innocence. He has that driving him. You but know, before that, he he just was Barry Allen because he he was the Flash because he was just a, he was a hero. He just I wanted mean, to be a good guy. She did you have know. an initial driven purpose from her parents of her mission to protect her her cousin. But at the beginning of the show, we realize mm-hmm. she realizes yeah, yeah. that that mission is over and doesn't need to be done. So yeah, she is she's free to define her own path as a superhero and i think the fact that she is is kind of nerding out and loving the uh, the the idea of being this superhero is is mm-hmm. her is is a unique twist on on the what we see with most superheroes of the tragedy story and things like well that's that. why it's a throwback i, yeah. I look, at, look at it as a throwback to like the uh the early golden age or silver age silver age because some heroes just became heroes because they wanted to. Right, right. they like, just wanted to have fun. Yeah. But um, it's it's interesting, too. You have, like, her, which is, like, you know, all bubbly and, and optimistic. Like, wow, look, I'm a hero. Isn't that cool? And then you have the DEO, which is like, yeah, um, maybe you might want to rethink that. You know, you might <laughs> Yeah, you're not little, trained. Yeah, exactly. You know, the training. And we find that out. Well, we find that out when she confronts the lumberjack for the first time at the, um, mm-hmm. the electrical plant. 
And right. I thought I thought Melissa Benoist's um, like actual combat chops did not look very good. Like I think she could use a little work, you know, like knowing how to throw punches and stuff. I mean, Which I understand I that I, she's not a trained fighter and she's not supposed uh-huh. to be, but I well, I hope this goes to the show. Like I hope that this is something that they continue with. Like she has never trained to fight. Like you. She barely remembered she could fly. She probably did a little testing of flying back in the day, you know, when she when she got to Earth. But other than that, it it appears that she never really, you know, practiced or did anything. Which like I that. I understand from the licensing standpoint and the characters and everything else. But people have pointed it out on the internet, and I kind of agree with that. Her cousin sending these messages through James sends the blanket and all that other stuff. If he's really concerned with her, you know, want he wants her to become the hero she can be. Why doesn't he show up at any point to kind of train her in some of this stuff? No, no, I mean, no, I no get, it's not. No, it I wasn't think, that he wanted her to be a hero. It wasn't that he wanted her to be a hero she could be. He wanted her to choose what she wanted to right. be, period. That was right. To choose right. her own path. Right. And I think I think that's that's you know what Superman is I mean I like you said, you know, obviously he's not gonna be in the show any more than he was in this pilot and kind of silhouette right. and stuff like that. But I mean, and from a realistic standpoint, he's probably, or a sort of storyline standpoint, I should say, he probably just wants her to find her own path. You know, whether mm-hmm. whether it is to be you know, a superhero like him, or just to be, you know, live among them and be happy. I mean, I and I would love. I don't know if this is going to be in the show, but I would love if she trained to fight and use her powers from her sister because it's just so from a story plot. They make it that her sister is a is a is a scientist. She she studies alien physiology. Right. So she would know how she's she'd make a perfect mentor for her in learning how to use her abilities and fight because she probably is a trained agent as well. Yeah, but my concern there is that Henshaw and the rest of the the organization might start trying to twist it to their advantage in a way. Well, that would be the conflict. That that right. would be what I was gonna say not quite to the extreme. Do you remember in the Flashpoint alternate universe how Superman was always kept by them? You know, mm-hmm. he never saw sunlight and all that other stuff. I don't know about to right. that extreme, but that's what kind of concerns me that they might try to do with her. But I they've done that before too in the nail, I was just like the nail right. storyline and um But all through Superman's history like not in the very beginning but as you know more recently in the last 30 years or so that has been the conflict with superman i want to help but i'm not here to be your trained soldier like that goes to the dark knight kind of too with you which was the extreme of the government taking over you know like kind of right. blackmailing superman into being I would almost, an agent for the government i would almost argue that superman since then has been a reaction to that yeah because yeah, miller yeah. had him be such a faithful soldier boy to to that reagan mm-hmm. uh, clone or whatever that a lot of that right. has been a reaction to that so I, I don't so i think that what would be good to see i think that would kind of would be some good dramatic effect would be she has two mentors if if hank is a mentor and and her sister and the conflict is to not go too far how much should i be you know how much should i do 
with my abilities? Should I, you know, like I'm not here to just be your government agent. I'm here to help people in general. So what missions do I go on or, or does she feel uncomfortable with some of the missions they might send her on? Right. We, um, Kara meets the lumberjack. They fight at the electrical plant. Uh, Kara kind of gets her butt kicked and uh, Alex comes and saves her with a helicopter shooting missiles at him. Uh, gets her out of there, stitches her up back to the DEO. Alex says he knew, that she knew about Kara's mom, and that's why uh, Alex didn't want her to go public. Kara seems kind of down and defeated, but then they go back to Kara's apartment, and Alex gives her a hologram machine from Kara's mother, and kind of tells her, you know, gives her a pep talk, and it's like, look, you know, if you really want to do this, and you really need to do this, and not doubt yourself, uh, they go back to the DEO, and Alex uh, talks Henshaw on the link, Kara tries to stop lumberjacking again. We, they confront each other again, and we have a really good shot here of uh, Kara, Kara stopping the Lumberjack's truck with her body. Mm-hmm. That was actually a really good special effect, I thought. Yeah, um, I like that. They fight They fight on uh, on the asphalt for a while, and Lumberjack is about to come and cut uh, Supergirl in half, and she discovers her heat vision and kind of goes supernova with the heat vision on his axe and uh, you know blast him away, stop, knocks him back. Uh, Lumberjack makes a vague threat about more, how more are coming, and then stabs himself in the heart. She comes back home, and Wynn tells her that her fight uh, made the news. Uh, James makes a hint to her that uh, she he knows she's Supergirl. Um, they meet on the roof, and uh, James says he knew all along. Superman, and saved her job, too. Right. Superman tipped him off. He gives her, he is Superman's pal, huh? <laughs> he gives her a blanket that yeah. Superman wore when he came to Earth, so it won't tear up as she flies. And with that, the costume and persona complete. We hear very similar to John Williams' theme from Superman. And uh, she mentions how there isn't just one hero on Earth. And then uh, we get a final scene with a bald guy talking to a general who appears to be Kara's aunt, a Kryptonian. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, f- uh, female general's odd here? Totally. But that's the way the pilot ends. I thought it was very piloty. Like, Yeah, her knee, it actually is her aunt, right? You yeah. said her aunt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I thought it was very piloty. Like we, you know, we have to get these things into this pilot to explain things to the oh, audience. So I mean, yeah, we you have that problem with that. every pilot. But I thought it was a little yeah. rough. But overall, I'm positive. I, I, I was very positive. yeah. You had to you had to set was, up a friend. Was the general the 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 actress playing the general? Was she the same one playing her mother? Are they twins or is it twin just, sister? Yeah. Because I, I, I was trying to – they looked so much alike, but I wasn't 100% positive on that. So, yep. yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought the uh, the pilot was pretty good, and uh, I'm interested to see the rest of the show for sure. Well, what I like is they pretty much dipped it into the Superman comic book mythos where they can – they are using – they're going to use these characters. I mean, to have – a screen of all these villains that we know from the comics we know. I mean, yeah, probably a lot of people that are listed to the show don't know if they don't read comics, they wouldn't know. But a lot of those characters on the screen, most of the characters used in the, in the story so far are comic book characters. So they're not shying away from that. Right. Which is, I think is a yeah, good but thing. they're taking characters from the comics and kind of recasting them and right, remixing right. them and putting them in different roles, which mm-hmm. is cool. I think I like the way they've set it up where she can be kind of autonomous from from Superman. You know, yes. that way we yeah. don't really have to have Superman, but but she can still have contact with him through James. Which I thought although was cool. I, although I, this is a small part of me that really hopes that 
if this show is successful and we get seasons down the line, that maybe for a special episode, you know, like a two-parter or something, we could get an adventure where she has to rescue Superman. That'd kind of be kind of cool while they work together. You know, like, I, I know that there's a thing of if it's on the screen, the big screen, they can't use it on TV. But I, I hope that they kind of get around that one day and they just say to themselves, look, it's no big deal. We're going to have right. the flash on the, the big screen. We're going to have the flat. We have the flash on the small screen. We'll use the Superman. I it's can, okay. I can tell you People you are not dumb. It. I can tell you what you mm-hmm. can do it if you want. Cross it over with Legends of Tomorrow. They've already teased yeah. Earth 2. Use the Earth yeah. 2 Superman. Have him be a guy in his 50s or 60s. That'd love be it. great. Have him be at all. And I'd you could still it. you could still have the, the... You could even have more of a mentoring uh, thing between her and Superman um, with an older, wiser, more seasoned Superman. Um, use Earth 2 Superman. And that way you totally sidestep your whole movie universe. Well, it yeah. would take nothing to have, like, on a screen to have maybe... Somebody, just just a character, whatever common character they can have, that would say to Kara, "We've learned that there are multiverses out there. There are many vers- right. There are many versions of us uh, out out in the universe." Well, and you know, throw it out. Yeah, they're like, use that on the Flash. Why not? Right. Right. So just do it. Just go like say that, and then hey, this Superman is not the Superman that is on the big screen. Right older actors are playing. And no problem. Even if you don't do that, though, they've made it quite clear at at Warner Brothers that the TV universe and the movie universe are completely separate. Like you said, Daryl, yes. they're going to have Flash uh, uh, in the movie universe who has exactly. nothing to do with Flash that we have on TV. So mm-hmm. why can't we have both? I mean, there's Just no reason it. we Just can't go have for both. it. Just and go for you it. know, and I mean, there's so many endless possibilities. You know. I mean, I'm not going to get back into the argument of DC hasn't done as well as Marvel and all that other stuff in the cinematic universes and all that stuff, but this, they've done the television stuff right. There's been a little misstep here and there, but nothing that has been detrimental, and I really think that they're building such a rich and luscious comic book mm-hmm. world on the small screen that it, it you know, it... It doesn't matter to me if the the movies are great or not. I mean, I want them to be, right. but I'm loving what they're doing on TV. And I just wish they didn't think we were the, the audience were as dumb as they think we are. Even even with Marvel, like we know, it's no coincidence that they killed off Quicksilver in the movie in the Avengers two movie, and right. there's another Quicksilver in X Men: Days of the Future Past. I mean, there's no. I don't think there's any coincidence that there was a reason for that. Right. You know, and and my two cents on this pilot too is I just you know like Jim said it's very pilotly it's 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 very formulaic they followed a mm-hmm. pretty standard formula for a superhero pilot but mm-hmm. with enough of its own unique branding that you know it it was interesting um, right. I you know I had said when we saw the six minute uh, teaser about you know my not concerns but you know I wasn't really too big on what they were doing with James Olsen. After watching this, I'm pretty much fine with that. I like what they did with him, and I like that he's kind of the the key to the communication between her and the man without mentioning his name, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, I, I do feel I'm I'm kind of curious as to did they they show their hand a little too much by having her out to so many people the you know well the what was his, her friend's name Win or whatever and then mm-hmm. James of course knows you know I'm just concerned are they building her her team too quickly but I had that concern with Arrow when they were doing that and. I'm perfectly Last fine. With how that, yeah, I'm perfectly <laughs> fine with how that turned out. So, I think that'll be okay. And and I just one thing is, and of course, the internet has turned into this whole, um, you know, bunch of trolls and want to hate on everything. But there, I've read a lot of very negative things about how this is too much hitting you over the head with the female female power and all this other stuff and I don't feel right. that. I felt this was a good story. These have good characters and whether they're female or male, I thought that that it all gelled together nicely. I don't I didn't feel this this beating over the head with female empowerment. I just felt that it was very good characters that happened to be female. I, I've um, heard the same argument about Mad Max Fury Road, and I don't buy it there either. It's just yeah, strong yeah, female yeah. characters and guys feeling threatened. That's all it, it doesn't make. But I mean, yeah, because it doesn't... Having a, a strong female character on a, on a TV show or a movie, whatever, I don't know how that takes away from... I don't get it either. The year... Like, there's... 80% of the shows are male. More than 80 yeah, more than eighty. I'm just being generous. And there's I'm plenty of those that are bad shows too. You know, right? They get to be everything. The, the, the men get to be everything. We we get to you see so many different other facets of our personalities. They get to, to be the bad guys. They get to be the the uh, the good guys. They get to be the heroes. They get all of that stuff. They get to be done. It just seems so weird to me that. Some people feel threatened when there's one show. It, it's I feel like it gets like that with a show with Latinos or a show with with more than two or three black people in it. It becomes a black show as opposed to being a show. Right, like, this kind of yeah. ground we covered in that that yeah. uh, discussion before the episode thirty, actually. Yeah, it right. takes and nothing away from anybody. And this yeah. is nothing new. This is eighteen years post premiere of Buffy. Okay, yeah. so it's nothing yeah. new. Nothing new. So, so I, I I give this thumbs up. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see where it goes. Now I wish they'd start filming and leaking the other episodes because now we have to wait <laughs> six months. Yeah. But you know, I I really really have a good feeling about this show, provided that you know they they're able to take it in the direction that they want, like they have their other shows on the CW. Hopefully, right. CBS doesn't get too involved with notes and other things like that. But we'll see. We'll see yeah, where we'll it goes, see. and and I, I I'm excited. So on one hand, on Monday nights you're going to have Supergirl. On the other hand, Monday nights you're going to have. Gotham. Which one are you gonna watch first? Hmm. I probably watch this I don't know. and then go Gotham. Go. I go light first and then go dark. <laughs> I think, I think I'd, I'd probably, probably I'd probably watch this before Gotham. To be honest. Yeah, I probably. Gotham is that. just so uneven and all over the place, you know. Yeah, I'm worried about Gotham. I want I want I want it to smooth it. I want them to work the kinks out of Gotham also. So a friend, yeah. a friend of mine asked me just yesterday. They're 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 watching Daredevil right now, and then they're like, "Do I watch Flash? Do I watch Arrow? Do I watch Gotham?" You know, they're they're just getting caught up into all these superhero shows, and I'm like, "Well." Mm-hmm. You know, watch Gotham last, and and I say, you know, and my whole thing is, is I'm really hoping that you know they've they learned from a lot of their missteps and things, and and for season two, I mean, like we've said many times, it just struggled to find what kind of show it wanted to be. It's still and I struggling. Think, 
And yeah. I, yeah, yeah. And I, but I think that they've d- kind of decided it on a path, at least the way things ended. So hopefully, right. hopefully going into season two, that stuff is corrected. Speaking of Gotham, I saw a little funny thing today that I never had even considered. And that was, they had the Gotham splash screen with the title on it with a big, uh, big, uh, spiral ham below it. And it's got ham. I never oh. had thought of that, but that was kind of funny. Okay. Speaking of monsters, let's go into uh, iZombie. Episode 11, Astro Burger. And if I wanted to open up a burger joint on the moon, that's what I would call it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, remember last episode, uh, Major's little friend, they played chess with, Scott E. Mm-hmm. Not Scotty, but Scott E. <laughs> yeah, the one with the red shirt on. Right. He uh, He's our brain of the he's our brain of the week this week. He's uh, No. He's dead. You know what I'm saying? Interestingly enough, not only was he uh, paranoid about zombies, he was there... At Washington Lake, when everything went down, and he said he had a, uh, he told people he had a video of it that he made on his cell phone. You know, of course, Liv is very interested to find, even more so than kind of solving his murder at some point. But uh, he has, you know, suffered a psychotic break and everything. So uh, when Liv eats his brains, she starts having delusions, uh, starting off with a devil talking to her on a cheesy poof uh, bag. Which and, is great. Yeah, uh, evidently Scotty had some sort of uh, obsession with the devil, so whenever he lived in this episode, sees uh, like a drawing or a representation of a devil, she uh, she has a reaction because it's talking to her. Um, she also has some other delusions, which we'll get into as the episode goes on. It, it, it was it's pretty interesting that, you know, all the, we have all this stuff going on with Blaine this episode. We have all this stuff going on with the overall arching story, but yet the... Um, the, you know, the procedural part that, you know, Scotty's murder really has nothing to do with any of that. No? Mm-mm. I mean, it turns out it's the psychiatrist who's trying to get pregnant from him because yeah. she, you know, her husband was too old or whatever. But because of what, uh, because of what the, you know, going after the video or whatever, it opens up so much more on the other end of the story. But anyway. It was I mean, incidental. Yeah, it was just yeah, an incidental. It was, just kind of like, it was kind of an incidental way to tie up the plot and mm-hmm. had nothing to do with what, you know, quote unquote was really going on. To the initial investigation, they have movie night. With uh, Ravi and Peyton. And, mm-hmm. Getting and, a girl. Getting a girl. Yeah, and uh, Major and Liv. They're going to watch Vertigo. And mm-hmm. they think maybe they're going to watch Zombie High. Maybe like, not. No, maybe not that one either. Uh-huh. And at this point, Liv starts to get her delusions. This uh, devil on the side of spicy, cheesy poofs starts talking to her. And it's actually pretty all funny. The time. Yeah. Does that happen to you all the time? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she tells Ravi about it, and it's kind of funny. He's like, oh, it's talking to you. That's nice. And and kind of dismisses mm. her. But uh, it really is talking to her. And I like the way they had it animated and stuff. That was actually kind of cool. It was. It was kind of crazy. I love the voice. That voice of the devil all through the whole episode. Just everything. You were talking about the psychiatrist's husband's too. <laughs> He's shooting dust. <laughs> just... Yeah. <laughs> And it or when uses... she walks by the vending machine full of the bags of it, and there's like a whole chorus. We know who killed him. We know who killed him. <laughs> well, it's it, and it's it's kind of goes to what makes uh, schizophrenia so scary is that it uses part of your self conscious. So it, some of it's true, like you know, little things. It's using little things that she knows is true to mess with her head. Right. Well, that and there's other delusions later in the episode that, mm-hmm. you know, are reflections of what her own desires and thoughts are. But she doesn't right. realize that till the end. Oh, yeah. Well, she um, as she's trying to uh, figure out this, you know, where this video is and 
where his uh, where his cell phone is with the video of the Lake Washington massacre, in walks Johnny Frost, the uh, weatherman from one of the earlier episodes, mm-hmm. and he was there to identify the body. Why? Because Scott E was his pot dealer. <laughs> did he did he remind anybody else of Troy McClure from The Simpsons? Because actually, he reminded me more yeah. of. Um, Oh, and I'm going to blank on the actor's name now, but he was in Twin Peaks. He was in Reaper. Ray Wise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that, too. Yep. He was like a younger, he's like Ray Wise's younger brother. Just kind of, um, and he seems kind of surreal at first, but like gets even goofier and stranger as it goes on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Basically, he leads her to Scotty's house where uh, he has his laptop stashed. She's able to use a laptop to track down the cell phone to another uh, guy's house who's an orderly at the hospital who um, they also find, you know, a giant pile of Oxycontin and a bunch of other stuff in his toilet along with Scotty's phone. I need a little Johnny time. Right. (laughs) Johnny Frost with her the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, She gets the, she finally gets the the phone um, and he's, you know, keeps telling me what the temperature is. It'll be 63, that's 17 Celsius. And then uh, she's like, you know, you're, you're crazy. It's much colder than that outside. I almost froze my ass off earlier. And then as she's sitting in her apartment talking to Johnny Frost, she sees Johnny Frost on TV and realizes that the Johnny Frost in her apartment is a delusion. I didn't even yeah. notice till my second viewing that he never once touches anything. No, other than right. when he's sitting in the car, mm-hmm. other than that, he's never touching anything. So. Right, he, you know, he has all these different excuses as to why he can't. On the uh, the opposite end of the story, Major uh, Major also is trying to track down this the same video, um, and breaks into the same apartment that Liv and uh, her imaginary weatherman friend broke into. And as he's there looking for the same cell phone and the same computer, here comes Blaine and the Candyman to set fire to the place. Uh, luckily. You know, Major escapes out the back window without them noticing. They go ahead and set fire to the place and hop in their car. But what they don't know is that Major has stowed away in the trunk. What a dumbass. I know. What, of all the places to, you know. He's terrible. And, and the whole <laughs> thing is, too, is I, 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 I was kind of disappointed that it went off without a hitch for him. Because I'm just like, he has got to learn to stop doing these stupid Shaggy and Scooby-Doo moves. Just stop it. You are not a detective. Stop. He keeps putting himself into danger. He's bit. horrible. He's horrible. He acts like he is a zombie, like he can't die. He, he's horrible. Well, while Major's having this little adventure, oddly enough, Major is also with Liv. And Liv breaks out and tells him that she, you know, but the zombies are real and that she is one. But we find out later in the episode that Major wasn't there. She was talking to a delusion of Major. Because mm-hmm. Major follows in the in the trunk of the car, gets to the meat cute charcuterie, uh, charcuterie, um, sorry, and realizes what's going on with Candyman and Blaine, steals all of their high end astronaut brain. By the way, that's another subplot that got resolved this time. They killed an astronaut, yes, to uh, get his brains so people could um, experience what it was like to walk on the moon by eating his brains. $200,000 a pop. Right, his platinum-level clients, as Blaine referred to him. Can you believe... He got such a good business model that's just based on murder. I know. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the dude. I mean, that's... 
pretty pretty from graduating from being a drug dealer to that i mean it's pretty impressive Damn. oh the scene i forgot to mention is blaine stopping by the medical examiner's office uh he talks to suzuki, lieutenant suzuki and suzuki clues him in that lowell and Liv were dating so blaine comes by the medical examiners and yeah we find out what the rep- what the relationship is between the two of them i know we had qu- been questioned about it before but it's definitely he you know blaine is definitely stringing out suzuki I think it's pretty much what we figure too. So yeah, yeah. I I actually until the second viewing was trying to figure out if the whole scene of him showing up at the ME's office was her another delusional for her. But on second viewing, I realized it's not. But I mean, yeah, for Robbie a minute, I, I was kind of trying to figure it out because of the way she went and got that drink and the fact that that was an awful lot of poison that a, a coroner's office wouldn't necessarily have. So, but then again, it is Ravi's personal laboratory too. It seems so. And they would have they would have poisons there to test for reactions in different murder cases that people were poisoned. Right. So they would have them on hand. Um, I I knew it wasn't a delusion because Ravi interacts with Blaine too and sees them as well. They talk about you know, Blaine is you know well, gee gee golly guys I hope you can come up with a cure. Meanwhile, Liv you know is not sure what Blaine knows and what Blaine doesn't know. So she. Uh, uh, furtively attempts to poison some Max Rager and give it to him, but then backs off of that at the end. And Ravi calls her on it after he leaves. She's like, he's like, you know, there's all kinds of poisons you could have killed him with. And she's like, yeah, well, a bullet, you know, three bullets to the chest doesn't kill a zombie. I wouldn't, I wasn't sure what a poison would do to him. I have this feeling that down the road, Blaine is going to become a necessary evil for her and Ravi too in their adventures and trying to, solve zombieism and stuff i don't well, know he I just needed, get he, well ravi needed the sample from blaine they yeah. got his blood sample and blood work again this time um, right so he does kind of need him to come up with a cure but uh we'll get to that again at the you know near the end of this episode um but getting back to blaine at the uh, at the meet cute um uh, he has the uh two hundred thousand dollar a plate astronaut brain loaded into a van and one of his henchmen goes to take a leak and major steals it all uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So Blaine Blaine is a little mad, stabs the guy in the neck, and tells him to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> what a Major, boss! Yeah. Major shows up at Liv's house with all these catered brains, and he after um, after Liv told delusional Major that she was a zombie and everything, real Major has figured out that there are real zombies. My other issue with 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 Major is I I, I really like him so far, but this. I don't know Liv's a, a zombie. She's the woman that I supposedly still love, right? Mm. Why would I bring the brains from people and steal them and bring it to the person that I care about when they ha- when I know they have killed and murdered other people and they tried to kill me already one one time or maybe other you know they She's try to kill the me only at least person once. left that he can trust yeah and he can't take it home again i mean they already broke into his house once i wouldn't take but i still but you're still i think it was just wrong to bring it to her if you call yourself you know like well he's be- not exactly thinking straight no in fact he, ain't he thinking straight at all well, he, t- he says look there's zombies and i'm gonna kill them i'm gonna kill them all I mean, Major's gone from being this kind of blandy, milk-toasty, nice mm-hmm. guy to, I'm going to go jack these guys up and kill them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just bothered also, me that he did that. It really bothered me that he brought it to her like that and just, you know, put her in danger, even though we know she's in less danger than he is. 
near the end of the episode that Ravi uh, has, has done his uh, performed a cure on the zombie rat. Zombie rat is no more, as he says. The rat is back to normal. But is it? You know, I mean, maybe it's reverted. I mean, I think there needs to be more time. He said he has to do more testing. So. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it went from being white and red-eyed and, and zombified and killing everyone to back to being a regular rat. So, And for all we know, it could only be for a little while. Right. You know, right. the thing could That's change before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Astro Burger. Kind of a kind of a mind mess of an episode um, when you think about it, considering it half was. the half the characters it, weren't even there. It yeah. was, but but I liked it. I yeah. really oh, I, I really too. liked what they did. So it was the kind of thing the the, the reveal about Johnny Frost or whatever. I didn't it strike me until probably two thirds of the way into it. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, he's just acting weirder and weirder. This is. I felt something was hinky, but. Until he dissipated into the digital blocks, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I knew something was up, but I didn't expect that, you know. So right. It, they got me. They did some good writing there, I think. I think that overall, this was really a good episode. I did, too. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, and I mean, like, when she first asks Major, you know, do you want to stay on the couch or whatever, that whole sequence, especially the next day... When my first viewing, I kind of was like, something doesn't seem right because he was a little, he was clean shaven where he wasn't in the rest of the episode. You know, in the, in the beginning of the episode, he still had small little nicks on his face from where he was still healing from all the beatings he's taken and all that, but he didn't in that scene. And I just thought it was a continuity issue that the show just overlooked. But now upon the second viewing, I can see that both times when she is having delusions and seeing him and telling him what she is and all that, he's just a little too clean cut and nice looking compared to the way he is in the rest of the episode. So, you know, nice little hints there and stuff that I just, I, I, did pick up on, but didn't really resolve till I watched it a second time. Well, I I was in my snuggie and I wanted it to be true, and I was surprised when it wasn't. Yeah, I was. I was too. Yeah, it was like, a, it was like a way for her to confess without actually confessing to him. Exactly. I just. I, yeah. I I was ready for him to get cured of his Iris Westness. Syndrome, <laughs> so. Well, I he did, known, did get cured. I mean, he's all yeah. on the zombie train now. Yeah, but I, I, I should have known it was a fake because when he kissed her, she's so adamant about not mixing and, and you know, possibly infecting him that she would have reacted a little bit differently than that, yeah. I think. That's true, really yeah. That. Right. That, that should have been my cue because she's been so over the top with it, with him. Um, that, that, that definitely should have been my cue. But it's cool to see those two scenes of her with him in that delusional state of, like I said earlier, it actually reflects back into her own mind what she mm-hmm. truly, really desires and wants. Oh, most um, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, that that was cool, too, that little expose on, on her own mind there. And that wasn't Scott E. necessarily inducing that. It's just his condition that uh, allowed her to do that. Because if he doesn't die, I hope he doesn't. If he doesn't die, though, it might weren't it might wind up that he makes so many change he goes through so many changes because of this that she winds up 
not wanting to be with him anymore because it's not the main Could issue. Be. Been a great show so far. I'm really, uh, really mm-hmm. been impressed with it. Really been pleased. So, what do we yeah. have? Two yeah. or three episodes left. There are two, two episodes now. left. Yep, two oh. episodes left. So that means there are only two episodes of iZombie left for you to get your iTunes reviews to yeah. us. See how I did that segue there, guys. That was, I was waiting for nice. it. I That's you how you I do mean, it. That was wow. so professional, Jim. You're I am just pro. in awe. That's so impre- that, that was so professional. I, I timed. I clocked in for that one. You did. Uh, <laughs> really? Did. I, 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 um, I, we've been running a contest. We will. Uh, the uh, we will be awarding a digital copy of your choice of DC TV show or DC based movie. That includes the animated stuff too, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, what, you know, one one of those for our uh, an iTunes review that we pick randomly from some of the ones we've got, and uh, not to, not to like make you all up your game or whatever, but we did get a pretty kick-ass review from Grant this week in Australia, and from Alex Alessandro in uh, who's living yep. in Belgium, originally from Italy. So I uh, you know we're getting a little international with yeah, the I reviews. I have those reviews right here, but I want to mention to those folks that are um, in the world outside of the United States, um, it's very difficult to get a feed through iTunes to find these reviews. So the way that I've been finding them is by using the different country codes and the URL for our podcast. So there are a hundred and some odd different codes. So if you are out there outside the U S and you do leave us a review, which I so much encourage you to do, um, please shoot us an email or a tweet or something just to let us know that you left a review and what country you're in so that it'll help us find it. Cause I, I, I'd, I'd like to have the time, but I don't have the time to cycle through all of the different country codes on a daily basis to find that. So it'd be great if you did that. But with that said, like Jim mentioned, we had a couple international reviews come in. The one from Australia from Here Comes Robo. Uh, best DC podcast ever. Okay, I'll cut to the chase. This is the best DC TV podcast on the net. Period. If you obsess over The Flash, Arrow, iZombie, or anything DC-related, this is the podcast for you. The chemistry between the hosts is great. They know enough about the source material to give you a history on the shows, but also don't swamp you with nerdy comic book things so that even those with an interest in just the shows can enjoy. Chemistry between the hosts. Hmm. Yeah? I, they don't know us off the air. Um, they, <laughs> they don't always agree with. They don't always agree, which makes for great talking points. And their play-by-play breakdown of each show is enough to let you relive each episode without watching the episodes again, unless it's the Flash, in which case you should watch it many times. Yes, I agree. Uh, great news section about what DC is up to in the media world as well. It will keep you one step ahead of your so-called expert friends, too. Uh, get to know this podcast. It will become your friend. Not like the jerks who used to take my comic book money when I was a kid. Oh. Five stars. Hey, I, 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 I'm right there with you, except it was always my lunch money. So I hid my uh, comic book. I just yeah, want to thank say thanks so for the great review. Yeah, yes. thank you. We appreciate that. And then we have one from Alex2779 um, from the Italy iTunes board. Oh, spaghetti. I, I thought he was going to say I, from the Italy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought so too. 
But Italy. But I do believe from a message I got from him, he is in Belgium now. Um, he says a must see in quotation marks for all DC fans. This has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts and is a wonderful companion to the slew of quality DC TV shows like Flash and Arrow. The guys are passionate, well-informed, often bringing up relevant points or bits of trivia from the comics, and above all, lots of fun to listen to. Huge recommend. So thank you so much for those kind words. Um, Thank you. Thank you. on our domestic iTunes board, um, we of course have the uh, the ones that we've already uh, descri- or, um, told about from Doctor Steve T, Mrs. Well Redneck, Suburban Hood, and uh, Outlawed Paint. I, we have one from Sean Daniels that I'm not sure if we got to, and it's awesome podcast, also five stars. One of the best, if not the best, geeky TV show podcast ever. Wicked awesome podcast. These guys know their TV comics and other geekiness. Uh, since our last show, we've had two more reviews come in. One from Adam Smasher 66, five star review. Love these guys. I don't watch all the shows they talk about, but still they manage to make them sound interesting. Great recaps and even better discussion. That's for all the DC TV. Oh, thanks for all the DC TV geeky goodness. Um, and Thank you, Adam Smasher. Finally, BM742 says, Excellent coverage. Five stars. What a great podcast. As I'm not well steeped in DC lore, I love the coverage of all the Easter eggs, news, and relevant info. The guys never fail to keep me entertained and informed. And we are asking that we get more iTunes reviews from you listeners out there, because I know we have more than nine people listening. And there's some goodness that will come in in for you, possibly if you win our contest that Jim had described earlier. Did you have anything more on that, Daryl, on the contest? Uh, I think we gave out all the information we needed. We will have it on the website. We'll have a written thing with all the info and stuff and, and little rules here and there so people who are, of course, outside of the country, um, they can let us know how to find them so we can uh, read their their uh, reviews of the show. If the, you know, So we'll, we'll have all that prepared. Um, and like we said, we, we have two more shows ready, so that's two more weeks for the contest to go. Um, so we appreciate all the feedback. We love it. We, we really and- appreciate that for the show. And I know if I win the contest, I want the digital version of the Pinky and the Brain collection. You don't win the contest. You don't oh, win. Oh, darn, darn. That's you are not right. eligible, sir. You're not at all. You're a part of the corporation. You are not eligible. But there are there are only 30 more shopping days left till my birthday, Daryl. So just putting that out there. Really? You're going to do that now? Do that? Yeah, let's move on to the, podcast, the, uh, the Facebook group. Uh, we have a Facebook group. It's called DCTV Podcast, oddly enough, because it's the name of the show. And we have a lot of cool uh, people on that group, and we have a lot of great news and stuff going on. Let's talk about discussion real quick. We had some chatter about uh, Supergirl Pilot uh, from artist Mikey Wood. Supergirl Pilot is charming as all get out. I really, really enjoyed it. It's similar in tone to The Flash, fun, friendly, and they managed to make the Lumberjack cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a small small miracle there for sure. sure. Uh, the lead is adorable yet strong. And the effects are top-notch. It's fully entrenched in Super Family Mythos. I look forward to more. I could not agree more, Mikey. I, uh, I do agree. 
Uh, we also had some uh, some chatter about iZombie from uh, from Fairware, who said that she was kind of um, sucked into the show. Um, every time I start liking a character on iZombie, something awful happens to them. Uh, Mike Jones agreed, I love this show, and Pharaoh's like, me too, but man, my feels. <laughs> I understand. That's how we were with Flash oh, last yeah. week, all the feels. <laughs> a um, lot Mike of Jones feels. interjects that the cast is fantastic, and... Uh, Belinda Space McNeil put in that I love the show too. I'm so glad I got picked up for a second season. Us too, Belinda. We really are. Um, nice. There is so much news, guys. I don't even know where to start, where to begin here. Let's let's start with uh, something small, and then we'll work our way up. Um, could the 1990 Flash TV series be an alternate universe on the CW Flash? Of course. What do you think? Alternate universe where uh, Henry Allen becomes the Flash, not not Barry. It could be. Definitely, it could be. I could totally yeah. see that. We also uh, found out this week, and I, again, the word confirmed has been thrown around, but it really isn't anything confirmed. Um, no. But uh, Tyler James Williams let slip that uh, Jaden Smith is probably the likely choice for Static in the Static Shock movie. I don't have, like, aside of from the uh, After Earth, it, which wasn't really his fault. It was The movie was not good. I don't think it was written well in the whole thing. It was a better I've seen, video game. Yeah, yeah. I've seen him in Karate Kid, and being as I'm a fan of the original Karate Kid, I did not. I thought he did pretty good in it. Like he, I agree. He can get with kids. Like he, he is very uh, likable on screen to other kids as well. And for Static, whoever is going to play Static, which I think is a very important character, he has to appeal to children. Like he, yes. he, he really yeah, does, definitely. And that, and he has to be charismatic. And if he's written right, he will be. I just hope that the outside stuff doesn't be is not the thing. I mean, because of who he is, if he because of that last name, he gets you know like there's more eyes on him because of that. But I I just hope that it's it's true. Whoever gets to play Static, I just hope that they. Are somebody who can really uh, put themselves in a role and be good for it. Like I'm more really concerned fits. with I'm more concerned with who's going to be writing Static. That's my thing. yeah. Because I mean yeah, nobody. I mean, and I know I'm going to sound like an old man crank when I say this, but nobody wrote Static like Dwayne McDuffie did. You not sound well, like an old that, man. You're sound like I mean, Dwayne McDuffie is, was a freaking genius, dude. And, you are and not to, wrong. That to try to that, write a Static movie mm-hmm. is to to fill some really big shoes. So. That animated well, and show. I mean this. Is, yeah, that this show was great. Static yeah. Shock is a big part of his legacy. I mean, there's so many other works that he did, but I mean, when I think Dwayne McDuffie. You know, I mean, All Star Superman comes a little bit to, to to light, but I mean, mainly I think of Static Shock, and I mean, they have got to be true to the source material. Not, you know, it doesn't have to be to the T. It's an ad- adaptation, but they need to really honor what he did with that character. I mean, it was it's such a good character, and Jaden Smith could be fine. I mean, like you said, I thought that he really did well in Karate Kid um you know I was really not excited for a remake of a film that I felt was perfect the way it was the first time but I think he pulled that off really well and of course Jackie Chan didn't hurt anything either um you know 
everything that I've really seen him in, he seems to have the raw acting talent. I think with After Earth, besides the fact that it was more like a video game plot and it just really wasn't well done, I think that he was in the in the shadow of his father there. You know, he was trying to live up to his father and take and take cues from there. And, you know, you're not the same person as your father. You're not the same type of actor. No one's going to be exactly alike. And I think as long as he's outside of being in his father's shadow, I think he could do it. And again, if it's good written material, they stay true to the legacy of this character and Dwayne McDuffie and, and, and it's directed well, then I, I think that Jaden Smith would be a good uh, choice for this because like you said, he's got the name and it would draw a lot of people to a, Somewhat, as far as the world goes, of movie viewers, um, lesser-known superhero character. And I and I want to add not just Dwayne McDuffie. I mean, this character is created by uh, Dennis Cohen, mm-hmm. Derek Dingle, Michael Davis. Like just From the cohesive uh, right. creation of these characters, the, the way that they came together. With I know for me, being a black male, to to have that, it meant a lot to me to see that cartoon. Well, Dude, hey, because for we me, don't have that. For me, being a white male, white Milestone meant a lot to me because in the '90s boom, when like every crappy comic in the world was coming out, Milestone was like a pretty good imprint. I mean, they were good. Definitely. I mean, those titles were. I mean, if you bought a Milestone comic, you knew it was quality stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Trevor Von Eden, one of my favorite artists of all time, and I drew Glunt Syndicate. I mean, so I have a lot of you know um, reference point with the the Milestone characters too. Mm-hmm. And that cartoon, Static Shock, I thought was. You know, really well done. I mean, it had kind of that exuberance of the young Spider-Man, you know, and kind of, you know, set, but definitely set in a more realistic, you know, setting. It definitely took that. And I and I and think it got lost as, as it got enveloped into the DC universe. A lot of what made that character so good got lost. And, mm-hmm. and when they tried to reintroduce it in DC 52... Definitely got lost. It was not well For done. For sure. And then so they had I, the, and then they, I, I always thought it was super cool. They had the grown-up version of Static. Yes. The Future the Justice League in the cartoon. Again, the great. cartoon. Again, the cartoon. I think does the best in terms of of giving the characters the the best um, light. Like all the all the good things about those mm-hmm. characters. They only have a short amount of time to do it, but the, so they really put it out there. Yep. Um, so I think he, he could do I think he could pull it off if if the right person does it. I, that's the thing, though. If the because after Earth, I mean, not to be too nerdy. I've watched the movie twice on a whim. And he the kid is written as a foil for his father. They write the father as the more cooler character in the movie. And then you make the, the son to be the foil to, to not listen to his father throughout the whole thing. You make the son unlikable. Like it was written that way. You know, there was no way right. for him to come off as anything but uh, just a, as annoying character because that was the way it was put on screen. So it, I really am concerned about who is going to to be able to to do this. Like who's going to be able to write this? Because Static is not a dark character. He's not a no. unlikable character. He's not a wise crap. You know, like he's he's fun. He's a fun character. He's a he's a respectful character but he's also independent and a leader you know and he and he and he you gotta have that loving his powers he loved his powers he loved you know being a part of his he loved his city 
and he loved and and it was a thing for him it was an automatic thing for him to be a hero to to be to 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 fight crime in his city no matter what if it was dangerous or not and i mean that that's just something that um for characters like that like spider-man um that's stuff that you want to see that that's what make these characters I think it's that, so long-lasting. I think that'd be a great counterpoint to the real serious tone of like Batman v Superman or, Su- or Suicide Squad too. Right. Those are more like yeah. serious right. adult adult tone mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. I think something like Static Shock could really appeal to parents and kids. You know, it what I mean, can. It could just really even if they did exactly. it in CGI. You know, I think it would that would work. You know either I mean? way, would you know? Either way, they do it. Um, but they're going to need movies like that in in the DC universe. I think to really if balance they do that. and. And that initiative that they've been talking about, I hope that this is part of that. You know, like trying yeah. to do more stuff like this and and introduce more characters like this because I would like to see um, Icon and and uh, Rocket and Rocket be Rocket. Yeah, yeah when, I, I, I was so tickled when they were in Young Justice. I was just like, oh, that's so cool, you know? Right, because they're also characters that those two characters, not dark. They're not dark characters. No, they're, and they're really you know, well-developed, they're... multidimensional characters, too, and they, and they truly, you know, play truly. off each other really well. So, so I, would, I would love to see that. Hmm? If if um, if Jaden Smith ends up passing on this or they pass on him, who who would be your choice? Who? What? Hmm. Do you have any ideas? I don't know. It's hard for me to, to, to decide. I don't know that many child actors like that that I could like. I don't watch Disney and stuff like that, but I mean, I'm sure some of them would be, you know, good for this. You know, little actors that have been doing this for a while, or just go with somebody completely new. I mean, I would be cool with that too. Sometimes it works even better to get some a fresh face. That's true. In this, you know, they don't That's, have any yeah. baggage whatsoever, and they can just come in and 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 just be the role. Although I think having a name, because again, Static Shock is not that well-known of a character to the general no. audience. It might be nice to have a name to pull people. The thing to. that will help it is that the cartoon did do so well, even though they did a bad yeah. job of promoting it. Yeah, The cartoon was successful in spite of in spite not of getting the promotion. Yeah. yeah, In spite of the, the way that it was handled and promoted. Because and, plainly, people just didn't know what to do with it on TV. They didn't well, know how to pull the, right. there, were, there weren't any toys. That's what I'm saying. Because no, it wasn't toy enough that. for them. Yeah, it didn't have that. They didn't know what to do with it. Same reason we lost Young Justice. Didn't sell enough yeah. toys. Yeah. Yep. Well, guys, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've watched it at least two or three times now. I know I have. The video of the uh, we got a video this week from the uh, the set of Suicide Squad mm-hmm. yes. of the Batman and Joker car chase. Yes, and... I'm in. I'm in. I was already oh, in. I know. I was I'm already in. in. This is like, <laughs> Dude, I'm in. This yeah, is like, this this is like bat frosting on the bat cake. You know? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> it makes sense to have. Like I didn't know that they would even have this much Batman in it at all. First of all, you know, the first thing out the gate, it surprised me. But I like the fact that it would be cool if, and like in the cartoon that we reviewed earlier, if the way that they introduced the beginning characters it is for them to be getting arrested. Then that's how they get caught. And for a few yeah. of them, or even yeah. if they did it, that all of them get caught by Batman. <laughs> One, You know, like little by little, you see Batman catching each of them in the beginning. Well, I would said, be kind of cool with that. They said in the synopsis that Joker is going to be like uh, locked up in Arkham, 
right like more of a behind the scene character maybe this is like in the very beginning of the movie where joker's getting caught and then locked up you know what I, mean? yeah. oh. I don't know but I, i'm so excited for this movie i mean more than any of the other dc movies they're talking about so i like this joker man i, I like this I oh too. yeah I'm, I'm looking forward oh, yeah. to it for sure He's a little. He is different. He is not like the other Jokers, which you need to do. You don't need to kind of try to re. re I think. You know, I think if he did, people would call him on it. They you know, would. If he's trying to be too Heath Ledger, or trying to be too Nicholson, or whatever, I think people would call him on it. They'd be like, "Oh, he's just doing a Nicholson mm-hmm. riff." You know, he has to do something different to really, you know, make a mark with this role for sure. Yeah, I don't this, this, to me, okay. from what I've seen, and I could be off base, but I'm kind of getting the sense of a mix between a killing joke Joker and the Joker from the animated series, kind of like a amalgam of that. It almost it's reminds like, me more of like the Joker from the Dark Knight Returns, kind of the posh yes. Joker, like the designer. Yes. Designer charismatic. And charismatic and mm-hmm. you know, more more of that kind of Joker. But this I mean, is a Joker that seduces Harley Quinn. I mean, right. this seduces a psychiatrist. Like this is a trained psychiatrist he he does this to. Well, like I said, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um Cyborg from DC Comics just received a new costume. Some people are conjecturing that's to put it in line with the Cyborg movie that's down the road. Uh, make it a little more manageable to look like it. I don't know. I think his new costume looks a little better. It's a little, a little less bulky. Yeah. I think I with think technology so. the way it's going now, I think that that's one thing with, with Cyborg that's been kind of outdated. Like, he shouldn't get bulkier as no. technology grows. It's, he should be more streamlined. I mean, it should he should be... If, the, if Cyborg is kind of like on the cutting edge of tech, he should be able to change his body to human if he like. He should be able to mess with all types of nanites and liquid metal, and liquid metal, like all that stuff should <laughs> be part of holograms. Uh, you know, like lights, uh, solid light, like all that stuff should be a part of his his arsenal. So I don't, you know, like they. I agree. No, I I think that that should be the case. You they have to go in advance. You have to be. You're better than Iron. Like you're, you're not. You're more than Iron Man. You are the the actual tech. He he doesn't need it. to look like a bastardized version of the 1985 RoboCop. You don't, he, and you can still yeah. play with, and you can still play with the how human are you? Like dealing with your sense of identity is are like, can you have any sense of of identity of being human? Is what how much of you is left? Like you know, like right. what you know, like well, some of the characters what, always dealt with. You know, right? Yeah, it, it could be that can definitely be there. And I'm so glad that David Walker is writing that book because mm-hmm. um, he's such a good character writer. Uh, yeah. I would say mm-hmm. I, this is totally off subject. By Shaft, if you're a comic reader and you love mysteries, you love reading a good crime noir, pick up. Shaft. It's a, a six-issue story from Dynamite. You can get it digitally. You can get it. Uh, go to your comic shop and pick it up. It's only six issues. It's it's so good. Like he's the guy that's going to be writing Cyborg, and I hope that the movie kind of takes from what they do with the book. Hey, while we're off subject just for a second, speaking of Cyborg and Jim, you might want to cut this out. It's up to you. It may be spoilerish, but going back to the Supergirl pilot do we is this hank henshaw gonna become the cyborg is that where they're going with superman cyborg 
I, you know, I don't, I don't know. think this, so. This character is so different from that. That yeah. Hank Henshaw, yeah. the original Hank Henshaw, was Dan Jurgens doing a riff on Reed Richards. Right. And, right. and you know, they ended up, like, just, you know, of course, turning him into Cyborg Superman for a reason. I just think they're using, I just think they're using that character okay. name. Because as soon as he uh, introduced himself, that's that's what came to my mind. I'm like, Cyborg He's so Superman? outdated. He's so outdated now that they don't, I don't, they don't even use him in the comic. Like, the, no. the way he was used in the beginning, that it's just not even, you know, I don't even think they want to go that route anymore. With the character. Yeah. Final uh, nugget here of news that we just uh, heard about tonight, actually. Uh, Chris Pine from Star Trek is up for the role of Steve Trevor in the Wonder Woman. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could, too. I can get behind that. I'd love that. I'd, I'd be good with that. I'd, I'd love that to see that. And we had some promo art um, from the movie, too, some concept art. I just, I, I'm not really all that familiar with Gal Gadot's uh, acting chops, so... I don't know. We'll see, but I mean, I could definitely see him playing that role, you know, kind of, you know, as the not the man, you know, the man damsel in distress or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> that you know Stu Trevor can be sometimes. So I well, I I've seen her in all the Fast and Furious, but I I'm a fan of the Fast and Furious movies. So I've seen her in all those. I could I could see her playing the quiet, quieter, stronger character. I could see her playing that, you know, like not. Being so forthcoming and and so open in the beginning until she trusts people, if they go I, that route, I can. I, can I see just that. have one question in 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 this day and age of where we're seeing all the different stuff, you know, quote leaked from sets and things like that. Can we get another picture of her in that costume than the one where she's looking at somebody like going really? Because that's like the only picture they ever show of her. And I'd well, like like going back to what we were talking about before, I mean, the difference between Zack Snyder and David Ayer, you know, right. David Ayer will, will tweet you 20 pictures from the set in one day. Zack Snyder will tweet you like three pictures in a year, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, they've really I mean, they really have, have lockdown on that. And I think you know, I mean, that goes back to, I mean, to Sucker Punch and, and Watchmen were the same way before they came out. They were, you know, they were close sets. We saw very little before. Right. Uh, but I got to yeah. say, the, the concept art, which it, I mean, it's what, it, it appears to be, this is what Gal Gadot is going to look like in the in the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty good. I mean, it looks more like Wonder Woman than I, you know, like so far. This looks to shape up to be more like Wonder Woman, and it does have her still be in a smaller frame than you know than what we've seen on screen. But we haven't even seen much on screen of Wonder Woman. We've, we've gotten a TV show, and we've yeah. gotten. A, I mean, that hasn't been a lot. A but pilot. And, and, a a, and a really good animated movie by Gil. And a really good, an, yeah, and that, that's great what we've had. animated movie. I was there but for the I, premiere I, at uh, New York Comic Con with Nathan Phillips. Really? Yeah. Cool. It was awesome. Yeah, I love so that I film. Would, I would urge people to you go to the site and look for it yourself. Uh, you can go on the site and look for the Wonder Woman art promo and and tell us what you think about it. What does it look like to you? Yep. Please do. We're always looking for opinions. Also, we have a question of the week this week. I'm going to put it in the Facebook group when I post the, the episode. Um, what would be the letter grade you would give to the DC shows this year? Um, hmm. That would be Gotham, Flash, Arrow, and iZombie. I know iZombie isn't quite done yet. We still have a couple right. more. But what would be the letter grade you would give for the whole season? As a whole. Taken as a whole. Not just, you know, 
an episode here, episode there, but taken as a whole, what would your letter grade be? Uh, and as I said, I'll put this up as a pinned question in the Facebook group and go ahead and answer, please. And uh, speaking of our Facebook group, if you haven't joined it, you really should, because uh, between there and the Taylor Network of Podcast DCTV News, you're going to get all the DCTV and um, movie news that you will ever possibly need, probably even more than that. So by all means, join the Facebook group. Check us out on the new website, thetaylorpodcast.com, or the Taylor Network of Podcasts. Dot com slash DCTV news. Isn't that, is that right? Yes. But if, if you don't want to just say Taylor network, just put it, just, just put in the search Taylor network. Dot go to com the site and you can find it from there. Right. You can just go to the, you can just go to TV and movie news. It'll fault. It'll, it'll drop and you'll see the DC TV right there. And then I don't have all that, all that stuff there. Also in the next episode, I'll, I'll, I would like to talk about uh, animal instincts, the new Batman cartoons that are out. And the uh, the Super Friends shorts, uh, some of the, the new ones based on the uh, uh, the Fisher Price toys, um, those have also come out as well. So I'll, I'll be doing a review on both of those next to, next time out. Ah. So, also, but, I'll, hmm? Go ahead. Did, did you want our letter grades now, or are we wait until? Well, let's wait till we get everyone else's, and we'll just okay. yeah, I'll, cool. I'll do it together yeah. with the listeners. I I cool. will be at Awesome Con uh, in a, in a couple days. So I will try to get as many Wonder Woman, Superman, DC stuff, all types of DC characters. I'll get as many pictures of that as I can, and they'll be up on the on the site with, for people to see. With the the great Daryl Taylor attending, won't it now be the epically awesome con? Uh yeah, but I didn't want to throw it out there okay. on my own. I let other Just people saying, do that. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obvious. Well, yeah, it is, but you know. Instead of a red carpet, there'll be a carpet made of spaghetti. Well, mm, you I don't want no. Your, we don't step way through. Yeah, no, you have to eat your way through. through. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I can go for that. If you enjoy uh, geeky podcasts, and I imagine you must because you're listening to this one now for about an hour and a half, then by all means, dial your internet machine over to uh, hhwlod.com. We have a brand new episode of The Black Box. Sean Pryor is back, everybody, and with yes. a vengeance. He's bigger back is bigger blacker and badder than ever uh new episode of the black box definitely check that out also got the whedonverse uh where um uh, mr universe and the clairvoyant are covering everything joss whedon has ever done starting with buffy they're still working their way through buffy uh so if you're a buffy fan a whedon fan definitely check most of the walking dead tv podcast all kinds of uh of good stuff and the uh of course half hour wasted the godfathers who started it all the general geeky show, uh, Half Hour Wasted, are our friends. Hopefully they're not flooded out in Texas, knock on wood. They're in Dallas, not Houston, though, so they should be cool. Um, check that out at hhwlod.com. And once you've exhausted those possibilities, by all means, then dial your internet machine on over to the thetaylornetworkpodcast.com, where you will find a veritable plethora of podcasting goodness, including no apologies that gives exactly zero f- and I will bleep that out. Um, <laughs> nothing's on, uh, where, uh, Daryl and Donnie Salvo and myself talk general television and movie news. Uh, we have the, uh, the comic rack snark fest with the ladies, uh, throwing down on some geeky kind of topics. Yeah, I said it, JK's happy hour. Uh, you got Wade's world, all kinds of great uh, stuff over there. And you just added ignorant bliss, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Julian Lytle's uh, show, ignorant bliss. Julian is awesome. Uh, definitely check that out. Yeah. His, his latest, uh, Podcast actually is talking to Sean Pryor, so that's an interesting conversation with two interesting guys. 
what more do you yeah. want in a podcast, really? Also, wanted to throw in since you threw in Jackie Davihauer, um, this ties into DC kind of John Berryman, who is from Arrow. John Barrowman. Barrowman um, is doing is developing a book called The Forty Ninth Key as a TV miniseries, and he's actually working with J.K. Woodward, who is from J.K.'s Happy Hour, nice. the artist on that, um, who did the the project, did the comic version of it, and they're adapting that. So uh, you can see, you can actually catch it in Heavy Metal magazine. Oh. It, uh, that's where the uh, comic is. Is, is is available right now as we speak but it'd be kind of cool when that awesome. happens sweet so uh until next week until next time we come back with another heap and helping of dc tv and uh various other stuff along uh, related with that mm-hmm. uh we are ghosts good night everybody i can't hold you If you want to fly, can't you see I'm all broke up inside? I'll choose to use God to say I heard like kryptonite. Put me on my knees now that. Who's back?